Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Badger Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. Once again, I'm your host, Matt Perkins, joined, as always, by Badger legend, the Hebrew Hammer himself, Matt Bernstein. Bernie, how are we doing today? Any day on a podcast with you and this guy, Benny Strickland, straight out of surgery. Man, <laughs> that's how that's how great it is, our friendships that you build at Wisconsin. Guys come out of getting under the knife right onto the podcast. Um, ben Strickland, pleasure to have you, man. Thank you for, uh, for coming and And we'll, we'll, we understand your brain's foggy, but we're okay with that. Yeah. Well, anything for you, Bernie. <laughs> well, you did play football, so your brain might be foggy yeah, on, just because of it. I know yeah. mine is. Yeah. This might help it actually. <laughs> Our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. For all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that the MLB is back as well. Who have you got in the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. To receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Oh man, so Strick, dude, I just want to jump right into it. You're known for probably the coolest play, one of the biggest plays, one of people's most favorite plays of all time. The I Pontiac, was on the, couch. the Pontiac high impact play of the year, whatever it was called. Dude, yeah. it was probably, but think about it, it was probably the most important play i think in almost all of wisconsin's history let's be real i was sitting on the couch because i didn't travel because i was hurt watching the game i'm sitting next to a keg because i'm not playing which was terrible and i'm watching i'm like man we got to block this punt we got to block this punt. walk us through just we'll go back to your your history but walk walk us through like how amazing that play was and, and what was coming in on the sidelines just, just walk us through the whole thing well, bringing it back kind of full circle to my last surgery, I had to have surgery because of that game um, on my shoulder. And so I remember opening kickoff because it was played in the Metrodome was, you know, running down on kickoff and they basically covered the bases with like just a thin layer of fake grass, but nothing underneath it. And so I remember when I went to go make a tackle, like I landed on my shoulder and shoulder was sore all game. Um, 
And so, you know, about six months later, I had to have surgery on that shoulder, but it was, you know, you get hurt in football, you don't think much of it. So you just keep playing through it. Um, and so obviously I'm, I'm glad I did keep playing. Um, so we, we were, I think everyone is, yeah, well, we were down, uh, geez, I can't remember. We were down, like I think five it was points? 10. Was it 10? No, it was five. So or... we were d- yeah. So we were down 10 originally, I think. And then, uh, you know, the offense moved it down the field, scored. Um, and, and then after we, like Brandon Williams had a couple of great catches on that play on that drive, you know, just the momentum was starting to go in our favor in terms of just, you know, going back, but defensively, we hadn't been able to really stop uh, Lawrence Maroney all day. And so I remember, you know, we kicked off to them, you know, we talked about, you know, potential onside or this or that, but then, you know, we'll kick off, we'll get a stop and go from there. So, um, we end up, you know, stopping them. I'm sure Tez would probably say he made all the stops and every single tackle. Uh, so, um, but you know, so we were down and, uh, you know, then we come on the field still down. I believe it was three. And, uh, we had had a a block drawn up where essentially like, you know, me and Zach Hampton were twisting through on the a gap. We had a couple guys opening it up and then, uh, John Casillas around the edge. Uh, so it was, we were trying to overload the uh, one side to the pressure and, you know, uh, Zach ended up getting through the PP picked him up. And I think I ended up getting to the other side of him. And, uh, but by that time the guy had, had bobbled it, had rolled out a little bit to his right and, and JC was coming through off the edge and blocked it. And, uh, and so, you know, as, as the ball bounced, it was rolling and I didn't, you know, I didn't really know who was around me or anything like that. Cause I think, you know, me and Casillas joke nowadays, how I push him out of the way to jump on the ball. Uh, and, and I kind of did, I nudged him out of the way. I just, I had no awareness who was around me. I was just watching the ball. And so, yeah, jumped on it, um, in the end zone and, you know, and then, you know, felt pile on top of me and I just tried to squirt out of the pile as quick as I could and had the ball and tossed it to the refs. And, and that was that. So it was, uh, and then it was just obviously chaotic at, at the end, you know, you had guys running on the field that weren't supposed to be on the field. We still had like 30 some seconds left to play in the game. And, uh, and then we kicked off and actually went down. Uh, I think I can't remember who it was that knocked it out. I think it was Deandre Levy knocked the ball out and, uh, you know, me and another guy tackled, tackled the kick returner. And, uh, and then, you know, I remember whoever it was jumped on the ball and then we were all celebrating and, you know, the game was over. So it was a quick turnaround, obviously in a short amount of time. Uh, but one in which, you know, it was, it was a ton of fun and, you know, just more, more so you remember like the, the guys that you were around and the experience and, and then afterwards reliving some of the stories from other people's perspective has been fun too. I have a different experience from, from that, but I, I, I think I was sitting with Gorman cause he was, I think he broke his foot that year yeah. or in camp or something. And we were just chugging beers. And when you block that thing and then scored, dude, we had a, a, you know, like one of those absurdly big TVs, but they were like weighed 500 pounds, yeah. maybe a thousand. I ran up, I was like shaking it, but I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't have been more happy and ecstatic one for you, but for like, we kept the ax. It was yeah. so cool. It was so cool. Well, let's go from like, that's like the pivotal, maybe not for you, but to me, it's like pivotal in your career. Let's start down by like young little Benny. Like what's, what's young little Benny like, and, and how does he get into football? Um, yeah, well, actually I got into football in seventh grade. Uh, I grew up with Joe Thomas. And so Joe, like he was at everything was an all American, like goalie for one of the best soccer teams in the state, uh, the youth level. 
And so he probably could have gone off that direction and done amazing things, but good thing he picked football. And so I remember me and Joe started football together in seventh grade together at junior Lancers, which is the uh, youth program for Brookfield central high school. And uh, I mean, you know, we just had a good team, good group of guys, and it was a ton of fun to just play football and play sports together. Uh, grew up playing AU basketball together. You know, we weren't on a special AU team. It was a Brookfield based AU team that only had our group of guys. So there was no like different levels. Um, and so it was kind of fun just because we were a group of guys that just enjoyed playing with each other and push each other. Joe was obviously, you know, really athletically gifted and, and a freak, but I think we also kept him in check with, uh, you know, making sure he didn't think he was too big for his britches. And, uh, you know, Steve Johnson was another one on the team. He was a long snapper at Wisconsin. Um, so I just feel really fortunate that, you know, was able to grow up with those guys and the other group of friends we had and then, you know, play high school ball together and, and then move on to the college level. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I was always, uh, you know, undersized kid, I guess you could say. And, uh, you know, that boded well for me in terms of just, you know, the competitive fire and trying always feeling like I had to prove myself, but that was kind of my mindset. And, uh, you know, and I think between all the guys that I play with and the level of competition we had each other was to push each other better. So had a great high school experience, got to go to state twice, got to go in football three times in basketball and three times in track. So, um, you know, we had a, like I said, we had a talented group of guys that, um, hold on. you went seven times. Is that, is that no eight times? Yeah. Two three different sports. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I get it. Wait, first off, that's a, a, absurdly impressive. I mean, even for like people who just go one or two times, it's imp- almost impossible to get there. What, first off, you didn't have football before seventh grade or do you just you didn't did play? have football before seventh grade, but I didn't choose to start playing football till seventh. I was playing soccer and doing other things. Got so. it. Okay. So wait, what, what did you go for track? Was Joe on the basketball team? I would assume. Joe was on the basketball team. Joe was, Joe was an all American track athlete too. Yeah, He was, he was a, a, a disc. He could have been, uh, he could have been an Olympic shot putter, like without a doubt, without yeah. a doubt. Joe could have grabbed a knife and been uh, Jason Voorhees in every single movie <laughs> after that. Like the dude, I called him that he could not be stopped. He was unstoppable. Yeah. Um, but we're not talking about Joe here. We're talking about Ben yeah. Strickland. Yeah. Uh, wait, but did, did you participate in track? Uh, yeah, states so I was, also. I was. We had we had some pretty good relay teams. A couple guys that went to college to run track: Ben Kaufman, John Doble. Um, and so, yeah, it was. You know, for me, even though track wasn't my first sport, uh, John Doble particularly was a kid in my grade. You know, he was a guy that wanted to to go run college track. He knew I wanted to play college football, and so it was kind of like. You know, John, he was the wing back in our wing T offense. So he'd constantly be down blocking for me on sweet plays. And, you know, for me, it was sacrificing for him and being on the relay team. So he could, he could have an opportunity track wise. And so, uh, and then basketball wise, I always loved playing basketball too. Um, uh, you know, we had a good group of guys. I was on JV my freshman year and it was me and my buddy Luke. And then, um, us two jumped up to the varsity sophomore year, Joe and Steve were already on varsity just because their size. And, uh, and we had, yeah, good, good run of guys, uh, for a couple of years there where we, we had a lot of fun and got to playing games, but I was joked that, you know, we're kind of the Buffalo bills of high school sports. You know, we always find a way to get to state, but can never, can never win the final game. That's that right. Man. You went eight times. Yeah. It's still pretty impressive. Um, so, so you were playing both tailback and D back then, I assume. Yeah. In high school. Yeah. We had probably seven guys that played 
both like we're starters both ways, maybe eight. And then, you know, sprinkle in, you know, a junior or senior kind of here or there. Um, but I, I mean, I remember my first game of high school ball senior year. I didn't come off the field against Homestead and uh, feeling like I already played a full game and then I had to play another half. So it was uh, it was good. I mean, I enjoy it. And I think, you know, kids nowadays, you know, whether it's specialization in certain sports or, um, you know, even within the sport of football at bigger schools, you're not seeing as much, you know, guys playing both ways. And I just think that limits the opportunity for them to continue to develop and potentially find a spot if they're, they're wanting to play at the next level. Do you think that helped you get, you know, get to where you needed to be being able to see sort of all of the different, so both from the offensive side and the defensive side? Yeah. I mean, high, high school level, you kind of, you're pretty basic in what you do, but I think, you know, for me, I, I, I've walked on and um, I had my best, the best part of my high school career was as a running back. But, you know, then, you know, once the defense side of the ball, because that's where I had the opportunity and because I had played in high school. And so, you know, I think that was helpful for, you know, them to say, OK, this is a guy that can has played, you know, both ways. You know, we can plug him into a spot and see if see where he can can flourish. Um, so, but yeah, then, you know, obviously when I came in, Jimmy Leonard was, uh, you know, had had, had his amazing sophomore year. We kind of came on the scene. And then I came in, you know, his junior year. And that was something where, again, seeing a guy like that perform at the the level he did and, you know, and at the size he did, it gave me confidence to know I could come in there and contribute. Well, what, what was that? What was that like that period? You know, you're, you guys are doing really well in high school. Were there other teams coming and knocking on the door or was Wisconsin growing up? You're like, I just want to be here. Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess they don't really recruit like five, nine hundred and sixty pound white corners from Wisconsin. Um, so, um, but no, it was, it was something where, you know, some of the smaller schools, like obviously all the, the D three schools and the, the WEAC are really good. The conference up, up in uh, Wisconsin here. And then, um, you know, some D twos, but recruiting really wasn't, you know, where it is nowadays. Um, I think that you kids get a lot more exposure recruiting wise nowadays because of the film, the evaluation, you know, all these different camps. We didn't really have that back when I was in recruiting. So it was more the old school recruiting of high school coach and, um, you know, your film, um, on VHS that had to send in and all that kind of stuff and getting evaluated off of that. So, uh, they did have camps and went to the Wisconsin camp and, um, you know, did well there. Um, and so I, I was fortunate because Joe was on the team. They're obviously recruiting Joe pretty heavily. And so because of that, I think, you know, like I remember Paul Chris coming to our game against West Dallas Hale, and, uh, you know, played really well in that game. And, uh, you know, so I think that gave me a chance of like, at least being noticed to ha have a potential of a walk-on spot, but I would have been, I would have been happy going to UW lacrosse. That was a choice that I was going to make if I didn't get a walk-on opportunity. But as soon as Wisconsin said that there was a spot for me, it, I it jumped at that chance and, and didn't look back. When did you get that offer? When did, when did they say, Hey, we've got a spot for you. If you want to come walk on, what, what uh, it was right around signing day. Okay. Um, and so. I believe, you know, I believe, you know, we ha actually visited after signing day, me, myself, Steve, and Joe. Uh, I don't know why I said me, myself, me, myself, <laughs> Joe, and Steve, uh, all, uh, that's the foggy brain kicking yeah. in. Um, so we went up for a visit actually after signing day, but Joe had, uh, you know, committed verbally and then signed on signing day with the intention that we we're going to take a visit afterwards, us three together. That's awesome. That's fantastic. So obviously you, you get to college, 
And what is the biggest shock for you? Like, what is the biggest thing that you have to adapt to when you come in? And I assume like early July, late June, early July after your senior year. Yeah. Well, the the first shock was just uh, the level of um, like physical effort. I think that kind of shocked people is, and for me, it was a little bit unique where they used to take 105 guys to camp. Um, that was the the limit they had. So you had your 85 scholarship guys and then you had 20 walk-ons. Well, you know, of the additional 15 walk-ons, you know, those guys were likely freshmen or guys that had already been on the team that they weren't getting ready for to play that season. So I actually wasn't invited to camp my freshman year. Um, so I moved in, moved in the dorms early. And then actually uh, Jeremy Sins, who was one of the ops guys, calls me and tells me that there was a guy that left camp. So now there's a spot for you. So I can't, you know, I got all my stuff ready, ready to go. Well, then, you know, he calls back and says, this guy decided to stay. So then, you know, I got my hopes up, started saying body people, all that. And then, and then it was a week into camp is when Jeremy called me back up and said, Hey, this guy really left this time. You know, we're not dealing with this again. So you're, you're in. So I actually, um, so I, I was one week late to camp. And so that allowed for me to have basically one on three conditioning and uh, strength work with uh, JD, John Detman, uh, Brian Bott and Ben Herbert. And I remember a lot of my, the three other roommates I had uh, besides Joe in college were Kenny DeBush, uh, Paul Stanrian and Steve Johnson. So they were all specialists. Um, and, and I remember them just watching me and I, I got crushed my first four days. And after day three, I remember calling my mom and being like, mom, I don't know if I could do this. I mean, they, they were, they were at a point where there was a lot of walk-ons coming onto the team and then, you know, moving off. So they wanted to make sure you were invested. And, uh, and I was, and, you know, I remember mom saying, Hey, you never said this before. Don't say it again. And hung up. <laughs> so she, she knew that I would be able to push through it and, and gave me the confidence to do that. Maybe, uh, you know, a little hard coaching there, but I needed that. And, and she was right. I mean, it was, it was probably the toughest thing I had to do coming into college, uh, that shocked me. But then when it was starting to play with the other guys, it was, yeah, just size and speed of guys, uh, everybody not just, you know, a couple guys here, a couple guys there, like you get at the high school level. So it was a combination of size and speed and making sure I did whatever I could to stay out of the fit um, power of getting kicked out by Bernie. Dude, I don't think I ever hit you that much. Not, no, not, I don't think not you a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was, I was told to keep away from uh, some of the more, the little guys. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I used to make like love to, to uh, Sparky. Like we fit very nicely. I never touched Jimmy Leonard. Coach oh, Alvarez yeah. would yell at me. So Listen, good. Don't you, you're, dude. You don't want to be in there. That place yeah. is a dirty place to be. Yeah. <laughs> we, we had yeah. um John Chanel uh, Chanel on, and he's like, "Do you got to be violent in there?" And it's true. That's not yeah. a place for for everyone. And I don't think everyone wants to be in there, yeah. which is okay. Yep. yep. I don't yeah. want to be in there every day either. Wait. So we go. Wait. So um, but the walk on tradition. Did you know of that before you walked on? Yeah. I mean, I knew of guys, you know, like Joe Panos, he was a Brookfield guy. He was a other side of the tracks, um, went to Brookfield East, but you know, guys like that. And then, you know, obviously when it was the, really the, the big one for me was Jimmy mm -hmm. and seeing him, you know, perform. And that, that was when it, I get maybe a little bit more notoriety, the walk on spot, uh, came to light in my mind. And so, you know, again, it was seen, it's like, you know, you see a guy that, kind of looks like you plays like you and you're like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. 
Um, and then obviously get in and, and learn more about the walk-on tradition as you're ingrained in it. And, uh, you know, then as I, uh, had the opportunity to coach, it was, it was making sure I, you know, carried on that tradition by bringing on good kids into the walk-on program. Wait, go back. Cause I love camp stories. So yeah. what year is this? Oh, three. 2003. Yep. So you, so you show up a week late into camp Yep. because some dude left, which I can't remember for the life of me. You don't have to say his name, yeah. but so he, so he finally leaves again. It's, I'm going to think about this all day. Is this you're at the have, seminary? Is this at the yes. seminary? Yeah. It's, yep. it's, so you're going to have to text me his name. Cause I can't, I'll, I'll never remember, but so, okay. So you show up and I remember that it was hard, man, for walk-ons like right away. And especially when school started, you had like 50 more guys show up who all wanted to walk on and they shared lockers. And like, it was definitely not a comfortable situation, but you came in by yourself then a week after. Yeah. So, so you were just getting drilled by the weight training staff. You're trying to go to meetings. You're trying to catch up. Then you have to actually play football. How difficult was that? Like outside of your mom, would you, do you think you would have left if your mom wasn't like, dude, just stay? I mean, I don't think I would have. I think I just needed uh, affirmation of, you know, just that extra boost. Um, but I, I I was fortunate because, you know, Steve and Joe were already there, you know, and, I, sure. and everybody has their own schedule, right? So the offense is meeting and, you know, everybody's kind of concerned about themselves and just keeping their, their head above water, except for the specialists. That, that, that camp, they loved camp because all they did was, eat, play video games and have like two periods of practice. So Dude, they would uh, drive over to the stadium and yeah. then kick and then drive back. Yeah. yeah so they had it pretty easy, um, <laughs> but it was, it was, you know, and there was, and there was some guys being an in-state guy that I knew that played against, you know, uh, years ahead of me and same age. So um, that made it a little bit easier. Just knowing guys that, that were part of uh, you know, part of not just my class, but a couple classes ahead of me that made easier. And then you had, you know, guys in the defensive backfield that were, you know, leaders that kind of, I leaned on, you know, some of the older guys that were juniors were uh, Jimmy and Sparky, uh, Scott Starks and Jim Leonard. And then, you know, some of the older guys, Zach Hampton, Joe Stalmacher were guys that were walk-ons too, that uh, felt like I could lean on as well. So I was fortunate to walk into a situation where, you know, it would have been tough if I was just completely isolated but there was guys that had been there before that uh, were willing to help and, and um, you know, just respected everybody on the team. Dude, that's awesome. That's a great story of like perseverance. Cause I don't think now you're in this world. I'm not in this world anymore, but kids don't push through like that. I mean, take a beating, like, I don't know, man. And herbs and JD and bot, although bots not as scary as the other two, it's still pretty scary. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, Herb looking like Mr. Clean coming out, yeah. uh, you know, whatever he is, 6'3", 255, 260 ball guy telling you to do something. You don't, you don't do anything else but what he says, <laughs> um, you know, and then, then JD and bot had their ways. And so, but and they didn't know me. And so it was, they, they wanted to push me to see if I was dedicated to being a part of the team. And uh, I, I mean, honestly, I think I, after every run, cause it, we were in two days at that point, so I had to, it was two days lifting and running for me, you know, in the morning and the, and the night. And so I remember, you know, right, wrong or whatever that I threw up after every lift and every run, uh, because my body just was not used to it. And uh, eventually my body adjusted and, you know, it became a little bit easier. And, uh, you know, then, then when I got in the fold of practice, practicing 
a lot easier than, than those workouts did. Always. Yep. Oh, practice was always easier than like one workout with JD. Even if it was 36 periods, it didn't matter. Because right? <laughs> people don't get it. It was like usually 20 to 24 periods. So 36 is a long time. But um, so so what was it like, you know, breaking through, getting on special teams? Like what was that that progression from almost, you know, calling your mom to saying, dude, this is impossible to getting on the field the first time? What was that like? And where yeah. was it? Was it at yeah. home? Um, are you talking about getting on special teams? Yeah. When, when when was the first game you played it? Was it at home? Well, it was it was the first home game. I think it was Central Florida in two thousand four. So that was right. So I redshirted my first year. You know, went through spring and summer workout, spring spring ball, and then summer workouts. And I remember, I don't think we had a very good kickoff team the year before for whatever reason. And so I remember uh, Coach Murph basically wanted to have open trials for kickoffs. So we had, I think it was like eight reps total. And so, uh, I got, you know, you know, in the, in the mix of the things, I remember I got four reps and made tackles on two of the kickoffs. This is towards the end of fall camp of 2004. And, uh, so, you know, they wanted the guys to be on the team to produce. Um, so, you know, went down there during practice and uh, had four reps and made two tackles in those four reps. And so that allowed me to get on the team. And I remember, so it was really kickoff. And then because I was on kickoff then made the travel roster and then it was starting to work to the other teams mm-hmm. because once you're on the travel roster, they know, okay, who do you, who do you have on the travel roster? Um, and then how can we place them on special teams to maximize our special teams ability? So that then opened the door for me to be on other special teams, you know, kick return, um, you know, punt and then, uh, and punt return. Dude, that's all. I mean, that's, it, that must've been really special to, be from Wisconsin, walk on tradition, bust your hump, and then make it to special teams, which is like people don't really think about special teams, but they can change games as as you've shown. How cool is that to be like play for Wisconsin football being from the state? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a dream and goal of mine since, you know, I started really think, you know, after seventh and eighth grade where, you know, then when we got a, as freshmen, you know, there's a few of us that got bumped up to varsity. So, um, you know, after that, there was kind of a belief that, oh, maybe I can play somewhere. And so then as I started to believe I could play somewhere, I always wanted to be a Badger. Um, <clears throat> and so it was, you know, a lifelong dream for me. And, uh, you know, one that, you know, I, I'm very proud that I was able to chase, uh, you know, and I think a lot of different things played a factor in that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I tell when I was recruiting for Wisconsin, I would tell guys all the time, like, you know, if this is your dream, like there's a lot that needs to happen in order for this to, to, to get done. And so, you know, football is a great sport. There's a spot for everybody. Um, if you really want it and, uh, you know, Wisconsin, the spots are a little bit more limited. So you got, you got to do the little extra to stand out. And, uh, but once you get there, it's not just about getting there. Now it's now you have that next goal of, you know, getting on a field. And then, you know, once I got on the field and special teams, it was, you know, how do I, how can I contribute on defense and be a part of that? And so that's where it's just, you know, kind of, you know, I think nowadays there's a little bit more, um, you know, with the transfer portal and things like that, there's a lot more immediacy of wanting to see results when, you know, when really sometimes depending on who you are, those results will come, you know, could be year three, four or five. Um, and so just, continuing to persevere and plug away is something that I think, you know, you want to continue and still and have in the program. And I think Wisconsin's maintained that. So 
when you got on the field, special teams and defense, did you have like a welcome to college football moment? Like once you were on the field? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was, uh, you know, when we were playing, let's see. I mean, the fir- first time was just going down on kickoff, right? And the first game of the year and, you know, you're so hyped, you make sure you stay on sides and, you know, run down there. Um, but I, I mean, I remember there's, there was a couple of times where, you know, you're running down kickoff and, you know, you're starting to bend the tackle and all of a sudden somebody knocks you off from the sides. Then it's like, okay, there's a little more to this than just running down and making tackles and trying to make plays. Like they're actually trying to compete against you and, and knock your head <laughs> off. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I necessarily remember a welcome to college moment, because I think for me, it was more the, those moments in camp that were my welcome to college football moment. Uh, but I do remember uh, like my junior year playing Michigan and uh, we had, you know, like Steve Breston was the returner. And, uh, and I remember, you know, I ended up beating the guy off the line on a punt, getting down there and like right about to make the tackle and bending to him to get him. And then just Sean Crable, who was like this six, eight, 250 pound outside linebacker, DN power forward, just clean my clock. And I remember, you know, eventually he got tackled and I get up and him and um, Sean Crable and whoever the guy I was going against were doing some kind of handshake on the field. And I was like, oh, these are men I'm going against, <laughs> you know, not just, <laughs> not just other boys. So, yeah, it was it was there's moments like that that kind of stand out where, you know, you realize the level of competition you're going against that, um, you know, make you feel like you want to continue to get better. Dude, that brings back flashbacks of like any time somebody threw an interception and you were on the field. Oh, on yeah. the offensive side, because then all these fr- huge fat D linemen are like, "Where are the running backs? Where's the quarterback? I'm gonna get these dudes." Yeah, and it's their payback. It's their payback. I just remember one time, Stocko, I was wide open, threw it over me, got picked. The guy ran over to the other side of the field. I was like, "Yeah, I'm not chasing this. I'm gonna get killed." So I just jogged off the field. It it, it, it turned out it was a you know like I didn't get yelled at, but um, Coach Horton was very upset with me. He's yeah. like, "Why don't you go?" tackle the guy. I'm like, why didn't he throw it to me? Right. You know, in the middle of a game, you can say those things after it, you know, it was not, yeah, you just got to kind of take it. <laughs> you got to kind of sit there and be like, yeah, you're right. I was wrong. So um, who, speaking yeah. of assistant coaches, who was your DBs coach? So the first three years for me, it was uh, Ron Lee. Uh, so actually 2003 was Ron Lee's first year. Um, Cause Ron Cooper had previously been the DB coach. And then um, after Ron Lee, it was Kerry Cooks. So I think Kerry's down. He's the DB's coach at LSU right now. I don't even remember these guys, but I don't remember a lot of people from defense. Tez so. had a story about Cooper. Tez had a story about Ron Cooper, about yeah. him like completely chewing him out like every single time he would get on the field. Well, yeah, I mean, I would say I I, I was in a position group where the DBs coaches weren't as big of personality as like the John player and, you know, the Hubers and things like that, where, you know, those guys kind of stood out because they, they dominate a lot of the conversation and a lot of the things being said on the field. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, coach B came in my, uh, redshirt freshman year as a D coordinator. Um, you know, he still had those guys on there. I think Cos Cosgrove was the DC when I was first there. And then he, I think went to Nebraska in 04. I do remember this guy. Now that I look him up and I see his face. Yeah. It's amazing what you forget. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, you know, I mean, you're, you're worried about the guys in the box. You know, there, there wasn't a whole lot of times where you're worried about the guys down the field. 
that for sure. And there's always, you know, like you're always on the offensive side. So like the defensive guys yelling at you don't, doesn't actually have an effect. Like whenever uh, Palermo would yell at me, just walk away. I was like, this guy is not coaching me. He's just yelling at me for doing something wrong. Um, Talk about welcome to football moments. I had like a thousand of them, probably all around him and Huber yelling at me. Yep. Yep. Not even like getting ear hold, just those two, those two guys. Mm-hmm. Did you so, um did you were there any of the older D backs or especially safeties that sort of sort of like took you under their wing and uh, really sort of uh helped you out uh and grow as a college player? Yeah, I mean I think you know early on, bless you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, I would say, you know, the two guys I pointed out earlier, you know, with uh, Jim Leonard and Scott Starks, and also really Rob Brooks. Rob Brooks was another guy that just was very generous with his time. Um, and then, then you know, the guys that I played more with in, uh, was Joe Stelmacher and Zach Hampton. Those two guys, you know, again, from kind of similar backgrounds, Wisconsin kids, walk-ons. So, you know, and they found a way to get on the field and compete. And so I think, you know, I leaned a lot on those two guys, um, you know, and, and Stelly's still coaching and I'm still close to Zach. So yeah, just good crew guys. Actually me and Bernie were ushers in uh, Zach's wedding. So we pretty much made the wedding what it was at Zach Hampton's wedding. I've never had so much fun in a weekend <laughs> or two weeks. I spent two whole weeks in Madison for the, yeah. for that. Oh my God. That was, he, he, we could talk about that at a different time, but yes, that was a blast. And it's funny, like, you know, like we talk about Zach Hampton. Zach was like one of my really good friends and couldn't be two of like the most different people. Yeah. You know, like he's from Lancaster. Yep. Like the smallest place. And we were just like best buds. I think we, we said, I asked uh, Chatham to sit us on the plane together. So like we did a lot together. So it's just really funny. I, I actually introduced him and Sam. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Sam, you, you're too hot. I have a friend who looks, he'd be perfect for you. <laughs> he drove up in a golf cart at Bridges and was like, hi, you work here. Cause I was a ranger. Cause Chatham yeah. got me an easy job. And I was like, you might be the prettiest girl I've ever seen in my life. I have a guy who's just as pretty as you are. And <laughs> she's like, really? And I'm like, yes, Zach Hampton. I swear to God, that's exactly yeah, what it was. Bernie. And then matchmaker Bernie. That sounds that amazing. Horrible. I think Bernie kind of just like kind of knew it wasn't going to happen. So <laughs> let, let me find out if my buddy can make it happen. So that's, there's no chance for me here. Yeah. Um, wait, so strict. So, so what happens like your last year, what happens after the season? And then what, what was like your driving desire to get into coaching? Sure. So uh, my last year was 07. Um, and so my last year was voted as a team captain. And that, that meant a lot to me. That was, that's probably one of my greatest accomplishments from a football standpoint, because as a, you know, as a non-starter, a non-regular starter on defense, um, you know, and more, more so a special teams guy, I guess I, you know, I guess I didn't know I had that effect on my teammates um, in the off season, just always trying to push them. And I was never the most athletic or fastest guy, but always was somebody that wanted to make sure that I was, I was first and cause I knew that would bring others along. And so, um, so that was a big accomplishment, um, that I had received that, um, I think was indicative of, you know, just the type of person I tried to be for others. And so I think that kind of worked its way into this idea of coaching too. Um, my last year, there was some young safeties, Shane Carter, Aubrey Pleasant, Pleasant, Javali, 
that I could tell the coaches they wanted to get them in the mix because the year before that, uh, the starters were Roderick Rogers, who was uh, in my class, and then Joe Stelmacher at safety. And then we had two corners, Jack Agaguanu and Al Langford. And so, you know, Al and Jack were coming back. They were a year younger than me. And then, you know, they had to replace the safeties. And and uh, and so they were looking to the guys that were redshirt freshmen, going to be sophomores in, in uh, Casillas's class to, to kind of go in that fold. And so, you know, for me, it was about kind of knowing all the positions, corners, nickel, safety, wherever I was able to be plugged in to find a spot, that's where I wanted to be. So I got, uh, you know, the majority of reps in nickel package my senior year, and then I started a few games. Um, but that that experience of, you know, being on the field, competing with others, four, four spots on the team, but also knowing, like, the greater good of the team, I just want us to win. I want us to have the best chance to win. So if it means me coaching these guys up uh, that are younger than me, then then that's what I'm going to do. Aaron Henry was a, a true freshman that year. Um, and so between that group, I just felt like I became more of the the veteran guy that had to pass along the knowledge of the younger guys. And it was something that that I really enjoyed. And so when when I got done with my last game, senior year was uh, Outback Bowl against Tennessee, uh, was able to start in that game because we had had some injuries. Um, and so, um, played that game felt like, you know, that was kind of the great for me the, the would have liked to win the game, but I knew it was kind of the end of my career. Um, you know, as far as pushing myself to an NFL opportunity, I just knew it was going to be a long road. And I felt like I was going to be better served for the sport to be a coach. So, um, I moved up to Minneapolis where my girlfriend at the time was, she's not my wife, um, and started teaching and coaching. Um, so I taught special education at YZ high school, and then I was going to coach there, but they, they were pretty full staff. So I reached out to the Minnetonka coaches and they had a spot for me. And so I started coaching there, um, under Dave Nelson and learned, you know, even just one season and one year, a ton from him just of, uh, humility, um, as a head coach, how to serve others, how to build community with a football program and the sport. Um, and actually, uh, Bo Allen was a uh, junior on that team. So, uh, maybe I strategically placed myself there to recruit him to Wisconsin too. Um, but, uh, so, you know, so then Dave Doran, who was a defensive coordinator at the time, Wisconsin calls me up in the spring of 2009. Um, was going to be done, uh, coaching college. He wanted to move back to Berlin, cut grass and, and teach and coach and, you know, essentially take over for his father. Um, and, uh, and he has, and then, so there was going to be a spot for me open on the quality control side. And then, uh, the next semester I would start my graduate degree. So I knew I wanted to, if I was going to stay in teaching, get my graduate degree, obviously I love the game, love coaching and thought it might be a good opportunity to get in. So, um, so Dave was the defensive coordinator, Brett was still the head coach and then Carrie cooks was still the DB coach. And so it was a great situation to walk into of guys that I played for, to then, um, you know, be able to work with and, and learn the game from. And, uh, the more I got into it, obviously I was that competitive side of me came out and I wanted to kind of see where I could continue to take, uh, the coaching side of things. What are, what are some of like the key things you learned during, during that time that you didn't learn as a player? Well, I just, I, you realize how much actually goes into it, um, behind the scenes than just the practices than just the games. I mean, there's, it's a, it's a huge operation for a reason. Um, and the detail level of detail that goes behind it. 
mean, I know as a defensive backs uh, or in the, in the defensive backfield, I mean, you didn't learn a whole lot about run fits and, you know, um, you know, how the rush affects coverage and, and all that kind of stuff. And then even offensive identification, um, you know, was able to expand my knowledge that way through learning from those guys. So it's just, you know, the level of detail and knowledge that goes into the coaching side of things versus what actually gets paired down to you to the player side is, is tremendous because at the end of the day, coaches are trying to figure out how they can get their guys to, to play their best abilities, but keep it simple enough, um, you know, where they can understand it and execute. And then, so what happened after Wisconsin? So, uh, well, so was at Wisconsin from 2009 to 2011 season as, uh, in the graduate assistant quality control capacity. And then, um, and after the 2011 season, coach Chris went to pit, took four assistants with them. And then two other assistants left for other jobs. So that left six openings. Um, and so, uh, coach B promoted me to being a full-time, uh, DB's coach. And Chris Ash was going to be, uh, well, he was in the second year of being a defensive coordinator. And so he wanted a secondary guy that he could trust. And we obviously been working together for two years at that point. Um, and so, um, so he, he helped me kind of get positioned in that spot. And, you know, I'm obviously it was a dream come true for me to be able to coach at the school I played at and coach at Wisconsin and then coach B leaves. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, Oh, you know, am I going to be able to stay? And so, you know, for me, it was just, you know, fortunate. I was able to stay on for two more years on the field on Gary's staff. And, uh, you know, Gary gets a bad rap because, you know, it wasn't a fit as far as a hire goes and all that kind of stuff, but he did care about people. Um, he did, um, you know, really let his assistants and his coordinators do their jobs, which I appreciated. So you always take away the good from people, uh, you know, in coaching or playing profession. And so, uh, was fortunate to be able to stay on. And then Paul uh, was rehired, uh, at the end of 2014, beginning of 2015, um, I was asked to move into the recruiting, um, the recruiting office to organize that. So I did that. And then on the field job came up, uh, down in Florida with Charlie Partridge, a guy that I'd worked with before that went down to with Brett to Arkansas in 13. Then he was, became the head coach at Florida Atlantic in 14 and, uh, his safeties coach, uh, Nick Cayley left for the Patriots, um, to go start coaching there. So he had a position open and so was able to plug it on that staff and, coach down there for two years. I, I, I learned a ton from Charlie about, you know, kind of taking a program that was kind of at the bottom and how to build it. Um, because he did, he, I thought he did a great job of building the program to a competitive level, um, on the winning and losing side, we just didn't win enough. And so he was like, go after three seasons. Um, which again, I, we always talked about year four and year five being the years that we were going to be able to, you know, compete for conference championships and go to bowl games because we knew where our level of youth was. And, you know, in 2014, I think they kind of cleaned house with a lot of the bad apples. 2015 was a year where we had some really strong seniors, but, you know, little bit of depth. And then 2016 was a year where our young guys, freshmen that were now sophomores had to take a leadership role and they weren't quite ready for it. But, we had, you know, some talented kids. Um, we lost a lot of close ball games, but felt like things were going to be coming through there and it didn't end up panning out. Um, so then I moved back to Wisconsin in 2017 uh, for family um, after that. Is that, is that, do you think, I mean, 
it, is that what's hard about coaching is that you could be all over the country? Yeah. I mean, that was, that was one of the things that, you know, and I told my wife when we got married, if it ever comes to a point where you can't do this, we can't do this as a family. I need you to tell me that because I'm going to be so focused on what I'm doing and, you know, trying to make it happen. Um, and so, you know, when, when, um, we moved back to Wisconsin in 2017, I was still pursuing other college opportunities. Uh, but we had a lot of long talks about, is this really the life that we want to live, uh, for our kids, for our family. And, um, you know, at the, at the time it was something where we decided it was, it was best to step away. I took 2017 away from coaching completely just so I could spend time with, uh, my daughter and my wife and again, get to myself in a position where I, I could make a clear mind decision of, of how I wanted to move forward with family and, and then just personally. So it's, it's hard on a lot of coaches. I mean, there's a lot of coaches, you look at their resume. I mean, they've been, you know, sometimes 12 stops in 14 years and I just couldn't, you know, that stability is important to my wife and I could be a little more adventurous, but I wasn't the one doing the day-to-day things, all the, all the things that have to happen when you move, she was concerned about that. I was concerned about working. So, um, I think there's a way where you just have to make decisions based on, you know, the vision you have for yourself and what you value and, and be confident in that. Dude, it is, uh, it is hard to be a college football coach. I mean, you don't know anything. Your, your future is a blank slate almost Yeah. like coach white went to 10 different places. Yeah. Since any coached, you're talking about coach leaving, but once Barry left coach white was out, he coached Ron Dane. He recruited Ron Dane. Like you, you know, I think so it's just so interesting. Like there really is no rhyme or reason who gets kept and who doesn't, at least in my, yeah. I mean, yes, somebody has an allegiance to somebody else. Then they get kept or they get brought in, but it's such a bizarre to be in. And, and you were successful for a long time. So you got to tip your hat to that. Yeah. I mean, you really, yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, I was lucky to be able to fortunate to be able to be at Wisconsin and, and live out that dream. And, uh, you know, now for me, it's another dream and that's, you know, continuing to coach. I think, I think back to the coaches that had the greatest impact on me. And, and a lot of those guys are high school guys. Um, you know, guys that, you know, you grew up with at Port India and maintain and kept in touch while you're in college and, and as a professional. Um, and so I think that's where, you know, for me, the, 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 the excitement of football changed, you know, especially when I had my own family, it was, how do I impact my family and also impact other kids with, with the sport of football and have it have some kind of balance. And there's never uh, a true art or science to it to get it exactly right. But uh, I feel like if, if, if you're, if you're trying to look for balance, you're going to get that more at the high school level and you are at the college or professional level. You, I mean, you could really impact kids Yeah, is, is what's amazing, not just in sports, but in life, and and really be like a role model, which I think you would be perfect at. So how excited are you for taking this over and what's that look like? Yeah. So uh, after I took 2017 away, um, 2018, I th- there was a head coach hired at Edgewood High School. Um, he um, was he actually was down at Florida the same time I was. And we kind of remember bumping each other, but you really just kind of it's kind of all a blur. Um, but he was coaching down there for a couple of years and from originally from Ohio, but he moved back to Wisconsin because his wife wanted to, to move back closer to family. And so we had that in common. And so um, he was an offensive guy and I was a defensive guy. And so I said, if you need help, I'll, 
I'll help coordinate the defense and, and that way. And, um, and so that was, I mean, it's humbling going from college to, to high school. And then, you know, you're, you're working with these kids that their, their level of knowledge, um, you have to be able to get them to understand what they need to do and how they need to do it. And so, you know, being able to pare that down was, was a learning curve for me. Um, but also one that I enjoyed. Um, and so for the last four years, two years coordinated defense, then the last two years was I flipped the offense just because of COVID our head coach had a lot of other things going on. And so, uh, I was fortunate he trusted enough for me to, you know, start running and organizing the offense. So did that, um, and, and really built the program from, uh, you know, a program that beforehand had one win to now we went, we went three and six, took a little dip one and eight, and then we won, you know, five and three. And then last year went an 11 and oh, um, and it was because we had a group of kids that, you know, bought in, we were able to build something with this year, they'll be good again. Um, and then, uh, fortunately, uh, it, it came up where the potential for me to be able to run my own program and, and be a head coach. So I've taken that and I'm excited about it so far. It's, so it's at the pier high school, which is just South of green Bay. And, um, my wife's family's from up that way in the Fox Valley. So we're closer to her family. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just excited to, for a new challenge and to be in a, in a role where I can focus more of my time less, you know, kind of less on the X and O's and more on people and how I can help continue to develop them. And, and then the X and O stuff's, you know, to me, that's, that's easy now to the point where, um, I've been able to adjust the high school level and there's a lot of good coaches out there and, and being able to help them and not just build up the, the players, but build up the coaches as well. It's something that I'm looking forward to doing. Well, I know we don't have you for too much longer, but I do want to get your sort of your thoughts on the Badgers at this point and just kind of see it through your eyes, sort of what what you saw on the field this past season and what you think the team needs to sort of improve on going forward and how they can sort of reascend to the level of being, you know, a Rose Bowl contender every single year. Sure, sure. Well, I, I think there's always a, a level of consistency that, now having been a college coach and and things like that, that I appreciate for Wisconsin. So, you know, they win eight games, everybody's upset to me. I understand that that's sometimes happens and uh, you know, there's the ball doesn't always bounce your way, but I think you got a group of guys there that are, you know, know the place, know what needs to improve. And uh, you know, just going to a couple of spring balls this year. I mean, I would say the, the level of talent on the uh, on the perimeter is, is better than what I've seen in years past, which is exciting. You know, some of the young receivers, some of the transfer DBs that have come in, um, you know, there seems to be a little bit more uh, talent and depth within those positions. Um, so I'm excited about that. We, we have two kids from the Edgewood program that are walking on there. And so I'm excited to follow and watch, watch them go there and help them in their journey. And if they have to make that phone call to me, uh, for me to tell them move on and I'll hang up after that, um, then, then good to go. But, um, but yeah, I think they got a, they got a shot every year to compete. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, in those high end games, they have enough to, to win those games. Um, you know, and a lot of that's going to come down defensively. I think that, you know, they have a solid foundation. You see the guys that are in the mix, the defense is kind of structured and Jimmy, Jimmy does a great job with them of, you know, them being able to sustain that success, uh, offensively, uh, Bostead moved back to the offensive line coach Bostead did. And so you see that there's, you know, there's a little bit of shift there in terms of what they're doing. Um, and you know, 
but it, but not, you know, the overall core of who Wisconsin is hasn't changed, but uh, the quarterback play is obviously going to be huge um, and the development of Graham and hopefully, uh, and the other guys, and, and hopefully that level of competition within each other it, within that group pushes the team to new heights. Um, and I think, you know, every year is a fresh year and that having a fresh start, hopefully is something that's beneficial to, to a guy like Graham. It needs to be. Yeah. <laughs> I and mean, I think, it really does. Yeah. And I think their schedule, their schedule plays out nice in terms of, you know, who they start off with. And I think it's always start like last year was tough starting off with Penn state, you know, a competitive ball club and, and they miss some opportunities early on. And, you know, this year, I think they have, you know, uh, Illinois state and a couple other teams that, you know, they might be able to build into the season rather than, Hey, you gotta be ready right away. So, cause game experience is completely different from, you know, from just practices and scrimmages. And so I think for a lot of those guys, the early games will be something that will be a sign of the direction that the program's going in or the team is going in for that year. Um, yeah, I'm excited yeah. to watch them. They, they were, they were a ton of fun to watch during spring. And like I said, they have enough talent to get the job done. It's just a matter of putting it all together. It's right. They, they go Illinois state, Washington state, New Mexico state, Ohio state. Yeah. Do, do you remember like what it was, you know, like you go through those games, you have, yeah, you have to win them, but yep. do you remember what it felt like, like when big 10 season started? Like, do you remember like just the, like, what was it like for you? Cause I remember it was just like the energy was blown out of like, everyone was nuts. JD yeah. was bananas. Like everyone came with all the energy they could possibly come with. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, every game matters at the college level nowadays. Um, but as far as from a conference standpoint, yeah, I mean, it steps up a whole new level and, and, you know, division division, you know, the divisions are split, but started off with Ohio state. I mean, that's, that's a tremendous first challenge. Obviously they'll be pretty, pretty good team. Like they always are. Um, so I think the level of, yeah, that, that it ramps up will be, will be for sure felt across the program and, and the fan base and things like that. Um, but I, I, you know, there's a, there's a level of excitement that you want to maintain, uh, you know, from an energy standpoint, but also, you know, especially on the offensive side, you know, you can be excited, you know, excited, energized, all that, but if you don't execute, it doesn't matter. So I think it helps more defensively, you know, that level of excitement, uh, cause things are a little bit, you know, more simplistic and you're adjusting off of where they're doing and going. Whereas offensively, I mean, it comes down to execution. So, um, if the offense can execute, while the emotions are high, then then obviously it'll be fun uh, to be able to build off of that. But yeah, it steps up once Big Ten season starts. I mean, it's a, there's a difference when you go in from one week playing New Mexico State to then going to play Ohio State. That's why I'm glad they're playing Washington State, who's still yeah. you know they're the Power Five school, but it's not like they're a powerhouse, right? And they're you know it's going to be a different attack. They're going to be way more wide open than a lot of the other Big Ten teams. But Ohio State plays uh, a, a much more similar offense. To them, so I actually think that's a really good warm-up game for this team, and I'm—I think that's a great bit of scheduling. It should be, you know, they should be able to win that, but it's definitely like it's going to be like three steps up from Illinois State, but even a step up from the New Mexico State that they're going to play the following week. So I really like that early in the season for them. They can see what happens, sort of tinker against New Mexico State, who you know, New Mexico State is historically one of the worst. FBS programs, so I'm not super worried about that game, but they'll be able to hopefully implement some stuff and really be ready for an Ohio State team that's going to be outstanding 
again, yeah, that, they you, always are. You get your your twos and threes in those games and get them game experience. So when they need to be the one and the two or the one, those are the guys that they've at least seen college players outside of practice. So I think that game is huge for, for maybe not the starters. I like what you said. Washington State, I think, is huge for the starters. New Mexico State for everybody else. And then got to go into uh, the horseshoe is to me is kind of absolutely bananas, but you know, like Ben, you know, like we, like you live for this type of stuff. Like you go to play at Wisconsin. So you can play at Ohio state right. first big 10 season, like the season opener. Like that's what you're there for. Like I remember playing these games and be like, hell yeah. I want to go there and beat them. Right. Yeah, I want right. to go to Penn state. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, those, and those, to me, those are like, I mean, Camp Randall's great and and all that, but you also get the away games where those venues are just fun to play in and to be kind of just your group of 70 guys and the coaches and support staff, you know, two buses basically going in there and, and everybody's against you. That, that was a, that was some of the funnest times that, that you have playing college football is, you know, when everybody's booing you and, you know, especially like, yeah, Penn State, Ohio State, you know, Michigan, you know, going into Iowa and playing there with the bleachers, like, you know, three inches from you. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Uh, it, it's pretty cool, but it, it, it gets old at Iowa fast. Cause they are legitimately like counting the hairs on your neck. Yeah. That's how close they sit to you. Exactly. Um, <laughs> well, Strick, man, this has really been great. Thank you so much for coming uh, on the show and, and, you know, giving advice and telling us your story. I, I always find like, there's one part that's so interesting like your story about calling your mom and she's like, dude, just do it and hangs up. Like, I love that. And I don't think anyone would have known that. I wouldn't have known that until you told me. So I appreciate you sharing uh, your story and, and dude, good luck, man. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. We're, we're going to have okay. to become De Pere fans. It's really what it boils down to at this point. Yeah. Let's do it. I'm already De Pere fan. Come do it. Come to a game. And then you just stay for the weekend, go to Door County on Saturday, then go to the Packer game on Sunday. Well, I was going to say, well, we, we go to, to Pier Friday night. We drive down to Madison for game day on Saturday. And then we go up Packer game Sunday. You're driving then. Yeah, yeah I, I love I'm in the back drinking. I, the I love driving. I love drinking beers, road I'll sodas drive, in the back. I'll drive, up from, I'll drive up from Tennessee where I live. Like, not a problem whatsoever. Like Now, now Strickland's going to just check the stands and be like, hopefully there's two meatheads aren't here. No, okay, good. They're not here. Every game. <laughs> Well, I hope if you do decide to come up, you let me know so I can take care of you. Dude, I would 100% tell you I'm coming. Can't just show up. Yeah. Oh, we got to show up in style. Yeah, I want to yeah. be the mascot. What's the mascot? Redbird. That's what Red I, I mean. Okay. I'm going to be the Redbird. I just want to run around. My, so, my son, I don't know if you can see the Redbird's face. Yeah. But he's, uh, he calls them the Cranky Birds. <laughs> I love so, that. Yeah. The Cranky Birds. That's awesome. That's, That's awesome. really good. That's really good. Well, yeah, Ben, listen, thank you so much. We're going to be rooting for you moving on. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time with us here today. And until next time, on Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. Thanks for listening to the Believe in Badger Football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by betonline.ag. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Badgers. That's B-L-E-A-V in Badgers. Also, make sure to check out our YouTube page for full videos of our podcasts. 
The show is produced by Matt Perkins and Matt Bernstein with audio editing and mixing by Matt Perkins. Our theme music is by Matt Blaustein. Thanks again for listening and on Wisconsin. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.